<laughs> Come on. <laughs> it's got the imagery. Yeah. Hi. Uh, Dennis, how are you doing this lovely evening? I'm, uh, I want you to know that I'm laughing at you. That's what I find funny. It's that you say that and you think it's funny. I think that's funny. I think you laughing is funny, so there. <laughs> Funnyception. Well, I'm not really, motherfucker. Laughing. I'm not really. Oh, I'm super serious. That's a good way to start this is, it. Yeah. Let's have our first argumentative podcast. Yes. Okay, you, you start. Fucking wormhole. <sighs> wormhole. It's a fast way to travel. Hey, wormhole. Hey, how do you know? How do you know that there's worms on other planets? Because they went through a wormhole. No, man. Because they're earthworms. Why else would we call them earthworms? Whoa, man. Whoa. I mean, we're Earthlings, so there must be Marslings. Whoa. Or Moonlings. Moonlings, of course. That takes us right to a good starting point. I just want to say hi from my new happy hour studio, where I've oh, yes. bought a new desk and a new chair and am just ready to podcast it up like a pro here in right. Happy Hour Central. All you need is all you need is to become clever and get someone that you could successfully banter with in your own H H H Q, I call this place. HQ. H H H Q. H H Q. You know H H H Q. Yeah. Triple H Q. Triple H Q. I like that. Triple H Q. Triple H Q. That could be the name of a beer. Sounds sounds like you're sneezing a little bit. Triple H Q. Triple H Q. I'm not sure. Triple H Q. There you go. Bless you. Uh, I know. What are you drinking tonight? I got some Smittics here. I'm happy to report. I know it's unusual for you to hear me say that, but I saw you drinking some liquid out of a moon white cup. I have a little tonic and gin, some Schweppes. Are you making love to it? Yes. Are you well, making love to it? I try, but it's so cold that, like, it, it just uh, shrinks your little piddle down to nothing. I can understand. It's like Billy Joel would be offended. It, what? So we. How was it that we? Did I? Did I channel surf along, across and find the moon with Sam Rockwell and then write you about it and you had already seen it? and then You, you mentioned last last episode, you said, hey, I saw this incredible movie by uh, with Sam and I immediately guessed Rockwell. Oh, yeah. He's freaking awesome. Man, I just want to hang out with that guy. He seems like it just he'd be a yeah. cool guy to just sit down and have a beer with. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And I immediately guessed that it was Moon because that's such a great movie. And it's so I've since unnerving. rewatched it. Yes. And I really appreciate those... Um, uh, solitude, especially like space solitude. Like I really enjoyed The Martian, both the book and the and the movie, because of this this total solitude where there is just it's, it's up to you. Yeah, it's just it's up to you. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, so that I was really enjoyed that particular part of the movie, and they have the robot just to give him some. I, I think you could have cut the robot out of the movie. Oh. I think it, it it was just a. I don't know. I think he he still would have spoken to himself and still would have no spoilers. And 2001 Space Odyssey, you yeah, you didn't have a robot. You had a voice, which I thought the robot, which moved from room to room, was not authentic, because of course they wouldn't. I don't know that they would be doing that in 2054 or whenever this movie was supposedly <laughs> what, what year it was. Yeah, I, that they'd be on a railing moving from room to room. I found know. that really interesting, the way that there was a, a particular like slot in the railing that he could cross between rooms. Like, I feel like that must have been a practical effect. Like, I think they actually built that. How about the fact that when he went from one room to another, in at least a couple circumstances, I recall, that he had to step over 
a place where the door hatched. Right. So it was a trip point. It's, you'd think you would have taken care of these things. Um, but nonetheless, the performance and the main theme of, the, of, as you had pointed out, almost time travel where there's, there's one of you. In, well, talk a little bit about the, the little video clip you sent me, of the little short. Of, the, of that, because that actually is a good way to segue into the moon. If it's right into this. It's so, more interesting, that, but that follows up on a conversation we had at least a couple of times and in, in, in recently. Yeah, so it, obviously we're going to spoil moon. Like, you need to go see the movie before listening to the rest of this, if all four of you. The, so I f- found this, I was actually, the, the way I found it, I was on YouTube, and YouTube said, hey, look at this deleted scene from this comedy movie. And I went and I watched that movie. And then the next the next video up was deleted scene from Groundhog Day. And there was this there's this scene where he's a pool hustler, like it was cut out of the actual movie. But he's in a pool hall and he's sinking every shot. And the local tough guy comes over from the other pool table and says, "Hey man, you're pretty good. I haven't seen you around here." And of course, Bill Murray says, uh, "Yeah, I've been playing in here for six months. I see you every night." Of course, that doesn't make any sense to the, to the dude. And, and he says, hey, man, are you some sort of a hustler? And Bill Murray says, no, I don't. But if you want to play for money, we can. And they say, no, we don't We don't bet money on pool. We, we prefer sports. And then Bill Murray lists off, like, the top 10 sports results of all different sports that are going on that day. Right. And it's like, well, I'll take the I'll take the Bucks over the Mavericks, 22 points, et cetera, et cetera, just going over and over right. all these different things, which freaks them out, and they, they walk away. Which they probably cut simply because... They're trying to get to a movie that's an hour and a half. And it didn't need that, but as a cut scene, it's enjoyable for anyone that yeah, adores well, that movie like I do. And I, I came upon a Bill Murray t-shirt in one of my little secondhand store shopping uh, sprees that I, I would like to talk to you about when I bought the other day. Hmm. But it well, included put that in a, the uh, a used uh, Bill Murray t-shirt that I picked up for uh, $2.99. And nice. I wore it probably yesterday. I should have worn it today, but I, my schedule was a little screwed up today. Couldn't prepare. So anyway, that, as as and, and neither could you apparently. But go ahead. The so th- then YouTube saw that I was watching a yeah. video about repeatedly what Groundhog Day is about. Is you get to travel back in time and repeatedly attempt to be a better person or to pick up a girl or whatever. So then they sent me to this video that I will put in the show notes. I think at happyhour.fm/slash118. I think we're up to now. And it's this short movie. I think it won some awards, but it's the concept is what if you had a time machine where you could press a button and go back was it one minute or five minutes or something? One minute. It's the it's called the one minute time machine. Right on the box. Right. A one minute time machine in the first in the first the very first one. So it's and for sure I have run this thought experiment so many times because I grew up playing uh, video games where you could save your current state in the video game and then go and go and try something. Can my character make that jump? Well, I don't know, but I'm going to save first and then I'm going to go and try it. And if I die, I can be I can restore back to my save position. And wouldn't it be amazing if you could do that in life and be like, okay, I'm going to save now. Now I'm going to go ask for a raise and knowing that I can always come back to this point if I need to, or right. I'm going to ask that person out, or I'm going to try and make some stupid jump shot try a trip potential future try, a potential try future. out a potential future knowing that it may knowing that you can reset back to that point not it won't be the future because you don't have to accept it you don't right. cross a rubicon exactly and that's everyone that's ever played a video game and probably people that haven't have fantasized about that superpower which is actually it's never one of the superpowers that my little kids are all the time less so now they're growing older but they always used to be like if you could have three superpowers what would they be 
and that game gets old pretty quickly. But the so anyway, the premise of this video is this guy has this time machine that lets him go back one minute and start over and try something else. And so he goes and he sits down on a bench with a pretty girl and tries out some lines. And when he says something and, and she rolls around or has, but puts on a look of disgust, he presses the button and goes back and tries it again. And it's edited well enough so that you can clearly see what's happening and that when he makes a mistake, he presses the button and then you hear him re-deliver that it's line. It's pretty quick. It's, yeah. it's quick. It's, it's, it's well it's edited. Not, uh, to be sure. It's not yes. tedious at all. And the as the story goes on, the, the character learns that the woman he's trying to hit on is actually a PhD physicist who studies time travel. And, and has written this book on time travel, uh, which she has on her lap. And he's, oh, let me just go and look at this, because she says, so the real danger about time travel, right? And he's, yeah, just faking. And then he goes back and steals the book and tries to read it, but it's like too long, and he's, screw it, I'm just going to talk to her. And anyway, the final result is that it turns out that every time you press the button, you are, and physicists really believe this. This is one of the leading theories about quantum mechanics, is that really when events happen, the universe splits into the scenario where it did happen and the scenario where it didn't. Like, this is a, taken super seriously by physicists because it's one of the... It's super crazy and trippy that it would that it could potentially be real, but it makes all the math work out, and the physicists, they enjoy that. But so the what really happens is that whenever you press the button, you split the universe. You start back a minute ago, but the you in the current universe, like, keels over dead. <laughs> And so then they show a couple of clips of the versions of the universe where he sits down and says, hey, good looking, and she rolls her eyes, and then he, like, collapses and freaks her out. Whatnot. Anyway, I thought it was he super He dies clever. 16 times. Right. He dies 16 <clears throat> times in a, in a row. And, and, I won't, like... well, and we won't spoil the twist of what happens at the end, but it's pretty clever. And this totally reminded me of our discussion about transporters in Star Trek, where you thought that, no, you're really transporting all the atoms to this other place. And I having, much to your dismay, having actually read and thought about this, had the other theory that, no, actually, you're just copying the information and then destroying the current you and then trying to reconstruct a duplicate another you not, somewhere else. It's not a transport machine. It's a reconstitution machine. Right. And going back to Moon, there have been many sci-fi stories involving clones and what if what if we could create a new one of you all the way back to that multiplicity movie with michael keaton michael keaton yes which um, was which in fact came to mind many times during the viewing of moon right because one of michael keaton's characters who were there five of him at the height of it i believe one of them was a real goofy guy and while nothing that michael keaton did compared anywhere near what Sam Rockwell did when he got goofy in this movie. The scene of most imagery here is when he is a clone, one of the clones that's nearing his end, and he starts to get ragged, that he's confronting and agitating and really pissing off his replacement, which never should have happened, that he got to see his replacement. It's never supposed to happen that way. Right. But there was a glitch, and, and it happened. And, and what he did was he turned on heavy metal slam jammer music and was eating these peanuts or something and crazy dancing, real physical, crazy stuff. And, of course, it was irritating the guy who reminded me of the other Mike, one of the other Michael Keaton characters, which was the guy who was buttoned down and, and just very polite and very thoughtful and wore right. his collar buttoned and his yeah. shirt buttoned and his shirt tucked in and his belt up tight. And I, I like that 
I like that similarity, but this surpassed that to to a degree. It was very sad too. It was very it was upsetting a film. Yes, which I don't dis I don't regard lowly in any way. I will as we segue into our our new uh, series review. I'm sure we'll talk about the emotional aspect that you get from movies that are upsetting, right. and whether or not that makes you not like the movie. As it does with some people, they just they don't want that. No, I. I want to be moved by movie, and if it's moving me towards upset, that's just fine. But I really enjoyed, with Moon, I enjoyed the science fiction practicality of, look, it's really expensive to send dudes to the moon. Why don't we send 20 of them, program them genetically so that they only live for... He was. I, I think they had some accelerated aging, where I think he was more or less dying when he got to age three, but... Maybe not. Or we, or we tell them, look, you, you get in this pod and we'll ship you back to Earth. And then we just don't. They, uh, they were only, they in fact were in this. They were only good for three years. Yeah, I, like I think the cloning technology. deterioration. Yes. The cloning technology was, was only such that they could make these clones live for three years. So they decided to ship 20 versions of this dude and tell him the same story and have him remember all the same training and play back the same. Because it's not... It's only like video messages that could that he could receive because the communications are down. So you can only receive these asynchronous uh, communications from your daughter and your wife. And to figure out that they could string this dude along for three years, yearning to get back to his family and his daughter, and then say, "Okay, climb in this, climb in this, in this tube, and we'll and we'll ship you back." And I don't know. It would have been easier to just incinerate the guy right there, but they had some sort of a mechanism to shoot something back. But anyway, it, I thought it was super yeah. clever as a just as a space exploration, if you, you know, an amoral way of space exploration. Well, let me ask you this question: What were they mining exactly? What was the har- the harvesters, which were constantly churning up the dust, the deep dust on the moon, the rocky dust on the moon? were apparently harvesting something that created energy on Earth. Mm-hmm. And it, w- it was purposely, of course, vague as to what that was. It doesn't matter. Whole point of the, what's that? It doesn't matter. That's no, else. it didn't really matter. I was just curious as to what you thought. But whatever it was, it couldn't have been making that much money. <laughs> because if they, had to, if they had to employ this kind of technology, cloning and all this other... Have you seen Capitalism? Like... The movie? No. Or the reality? The reality. George Clooney. Why would why would a why would a huge corporation not skimp on personnel if they could figure oh, out sure. a way to? It's the largest. It's the largest single point of cost of any business is personnel. Yeah. So personnel is. is... So I showed um, I showed my wife that that Jeff Bezos thing where you have to scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and yeah. see all his 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 worth. Yeah. And we didn't get to the end of it by the time we had to actually speak to other people, but it just makes. Ugh, it's just so gross. And while we're talking about space well, and billionaires, how all the billionaires are currently trying to get into space first. Yes, and what's his ass? Richard did. Branson did Branson, this past weekend right. get into a lower Earth. My orbit. wife said something to me, though. It's not really space. I didn't know what you meant. Yeah. So, look, I'm sorry. If you don't, if you don't go around the Earth once, you ain't in space. The, there's some technical definition about when the atmosphere reaches so little particles per cubic meter or whatever, then we consider that outside of the atmosphere. Space. But bullshit. So, yeah, but another podcast I listened to was making fun of Jeff Bezos because when he goes on his journey, he 
And again, remember, this is the sociopath that could solve all the world's problems with a snap of his fingers if he fucking felt like it. He is taking into space on his journey this 80-year-old woman who was going <laughs> to be did, an right? astronaut I mean, in the back. 60s, but couldn't because she was a woman. And this is just feeding, this is like feeding grapes to the lefty. Well, we're breaking the glass ceiling and taking this woman that really wanted to. And of course, she's delighted because that was her dream and the patriarchy stopped her. But anyway, so he's hoping they'll gain some points on that. And it's all bullshit because he's... Like, great, it's great that you're clever and you built this huge company, but when you get to that much money and you're not giving it all away, you are horrible. Anyway, yeah. sorry, to, sorry to hate on the billionaires. Well, so the... Not to offend our billionaire listeners. Patreon.com. The other... Maybe Branson would start sending us a little money. Just a couple uh, million a, a month would be fine. So compare the point of the physicist's contention about time travel with the time traveler's wife where that clearly wasn't the case. And not dissimilar from the fact that for Star Trek, that's clearly not the case either. They, their plot does not include anything other than the what the physicists would say is impossible, which is trans, transporting rather than sure, sure. reconstitution. But that's clearly what not only what was critical to the time traveler's wife, but without that, the time traveler's wife wouldn't have worked at all. There would be no, there would be no sense to it at all. So the time traveler's wife was, you're traveling within the same universe. However, I think we were always following his perception of the timeline. He would travel back and when he first... Because he, he was the only one who was clear about the timeline. And finally, everyone because became clear of it. As far as his life was concerned, he lived to his mid-twenties and then he met this girl. And then from there, and she seemed to know him creepily. And from there, he started traveling to all points in her life. So his timeline is uh, well, the one true one. One version. It, what you just said would be true only from his perspective as a 20-year-old because in his perspective in a different time, he had already seen her like 10 years earlier. Yeah, but he, uh, he was in his memory that he was His recording. first meeting with her, she was a child. His first meeting with her, he was a child. Yes, but not she in his memory. He was an adult. So he was an adult the first time he met her as a child, and he knew that was after he had met her as a as a grown up. He only knew he didn't know when he first met this girl that he would end up marrying her. Did at all? He right. didn't learn that for ten years until she turned eighteen. And so the paradox, as it's called, that that movie sidestepped was that. He, when he was older, could have, as in Back to the Future, he could have given her, as a child, the sports almanac that had all of these sports scores in oh, the yeah. stock market. And right. then she could have taken that and known the future. But they didn't do that because it was totally an emotional movie. They didn't have any of that. What They didn't have any of that changing the future based on travel to the past. Like, Plus the two. future was changed because she knew him and was in love with him already. Yes. So that part was yes. changed, but it was only emotional. It was There was no... And data. the premise of the movie really relied on a lack of prediction as to when it might happen. So he never knew, although he was terrified of it, he never knew that it would just happen. Right. Again and again, for all he knew, it might stop happening. He was in a total chaotic situation. His and life you end up, was, you end up was, naked somewhere, right? And this happened to all yeah, of us. every time. Yeah. Yeah, and so the kind of emotional piece of that, very different from the emotional piece of Moon. You, when the clone who was past his three years was obviously deteriorating, 
what we'd otherwise would call dying. He became such a sad, sad character, and his real this and this was the difference with this movie than any other which we've ever talked about, is that the emotional toll on him when he found out that his wife, who he thought he was going to go back and see because his three years was up, mm-hmm. had been dead for quite a while, decked years. But the interesting thing that was barely even touched on was that the voice of the original, what was his name? Was it uh, Frank? The movie? Huh? What, it, was the, what was Sam Rockwell's character's name? Sam, I think, actually. Sa- oh, was it Sam? Yeah. It's, yeah, okay. But the real Sam spoke because his daughter was on the phone and she said, Daddy, oh, yeah, yeah. That's, the that was the, the real punch to the gut where he learned that the original Sam was still alive. Now, how did you know that was the original Sam? The only reason I knew was because I had my words printed on the screen. What do you call it? Cap- closed captioning. Yeah. So it said in the closed caption, original Sam, colon, and then what he said. <laughs> I had on closed captioning, too. How did too, you know? And oh, I remember seeing Sam and Sam, too. Shit. But I don't... I can't be certain, but I don't think that was what gave it away. I think the fact that his daughter was talking to he made it out beyond a, somebody who was still alive where the, where the radio was blocked or something and then could see his yeah. older version of his daughter talking to, to someone and of course you could figure it out because the only version of Sam that lived more than three years was the original so I, I, since I it was like 17 years later that's the I, only explanation that, I almost wish that it was like 100 years later this has been going on for 100 years I think that might have been more interesting. So how long does the uh, version who jettisoned himself to Earth, he has three years to live on Earth in his life as a another version of Sam. And then I, after don't that, he, I don't uh, think he's getting to Earth. You don't think he got there? It doesn't They, they want to leave that open, but I don't think so. So hold on. While we're talking time travel and space and daughters that are older than you think they are, have you seen Interstellar? I, maybe I have. Tell me. It's a movie. It? They. It's Matthew McConaughey and Matt Damon is in it. But they. It's this mission where Earth is dying and they have to go and travel through this wormhole to get to this other place. Is there and a creature or a, that gets in the ship? Aliens? No. There's a. They have a robot that is. No. They have. They have a robot much like Min Moon. Anyway, it's a super long movie. Three hours, and for the first hour, you're just stuck in Dust Bowl, Kansas. It takes a while to actually get moving. But it's... I have seen it. I, I would see it again, though. It's a movie that, like, they they used all the modern physics possible They to, to draw what a black hole looks like and to discuss what happens to time near a black hole. Because if you get near a black hole, time passes more slowly for you than it does for those further away. So if you go and spend an hour by a black hole, maybe a year has passed for everyone else. Yeah. And right. it's messing with that. And there's a little bit of, uh, it's not entirely science-based, but it's a great movie. Yeah. Christopher Nolan is the director. So maybe watch that for I next would, time. I uh, would see that again. I saw a movie yesterday, the, the last half of it probably, which was, was it Protheus? It was, it was a, as it turns out, it was the prequel of the. It was the prequel of the Alien series, mm. and it was about a group of scientists who were searching for the origin of mankind, and this ancient multi-billionaire. 
I think it's P-R-O-T-H-E-O-U-S, Protheus, but the John, ha- not John Ham, but oh shit. Prometheus? Prometheus, that's it. Yes, thank Ridley you. Ridley Scott, yeah. Yes, and it was riveting. It was riveting. And the woman who starred in it is the same woman who starred in the uh, the tattoo, the, the girl with the tattoo series that we did talk about that, that uh trilogy and the fact that it was found by his kin yeah. after he after he died. But the woman who starred in that, which was fantastic. Was Nomi Rap- Rapace. Rapace. Nomi Rapace. I thought it was Rapace. But Rapace. Rapace I don't know. Right. Me neither. But there's a scene in there where she self-operates in a machine. Fun. Because she's got an alien in her. And yeah, when happens. she climbs into the when she climbs into the the surgeon machine, which is a pod mm-hmm. that's all programmed, you program it, mm-hmm. and she tries to program cesarean, and it says in a real currently uh, you got to laugh at this. It says this module is built for men only. Nice. You wouldn't see that in a modern movie. <laughs> it's from 2012. And then she has to then find a program it for removing a foreign object in her stomach, and uh, it's. Have you seen this then? No, I'm familiar with Prometheus as a god and i have heard of a sci-fi movie called prometheus but this would be even though you're not the uh, the most enthusiastic sci-fi viewer because you liked moon i okay. think you will all right i'll put this like. on the docket Plus, pierce and charlie Theron. the actors tell me the if you got it up on the screen what are, who are the actors in it besides the pace idris great Elba. actors every one of them great yes damon lindelof who i recognize but as a face michael fassbender which is oh, great, Michael Fassbender. Great, he uh, plays the. Expected he was on Band of Brothers. Role. Yes. He, yeah. he plays the expected role of the robot, of the human robot. And okay, we will put that on is, the. Let's, he is uh, very good in that. Let's table that. Very good. Next Let me ask you this question. Yes. Go ahead. I just wanted to point out that I have done the other bit of homework. Which is? The little things. Oh. But go ahead with your little... question, and let's get back to the little no, things. No, because cause I want to talk about our new series, but let's, that's a bit of new business. Let's continue with old business. Our new series. So, <laughs> what did you think? Fuck Scale man. of 1 to 10. Okay, look. It's three Oscar-winning actors. I, I loved it. But I adore the, sort of like in True Detective, I adore the homicide detective mental health story. I really love those. And there's so many of those. That's such a cliche, but I, I love that. And these three actors are just fucking fantastic. And it... What, what struck me about Denzel And all, the other thing that I love is that I love movies that don't tell you the answer. Like, we've discussed before... Ever. We discussed, we, we've yes. discussed before how, like, in Inception, where they, they leave you watching the little top spinning, and then they cut to black. And... Yeah. Some people hate that, but I love that. I love that what? you don't know. Why could they leave us hanging? Oh, right. man, I hate it. when they. And I'm like, no, man. That's the that best. That makes you want to think about this movie for a long time. What I enjoyed about it was it is Denzel Washington's most recent role, obviously, at an age and a physical uh, look to him that is in, he's in his 60s. I would he's, assume. He, I don't know his face is pretty uh, round. And he's gotten bigger you know, and sort of he's gotten older and they like, like this is you. This one is in your body, your current body, your age. They didn't say to him, you got to get ready for this role. They no. said to him, let yourself go a little bit, probably. Right. I don't know that if I saw Denzel Washington on the street, 
I would say, as I would say about this detective, that he was a bit overweight. And Jared Leto super famously lost all that weight for his Oscar role in Texas, whatever. And With, he... No, that was Matthew McConaughey. Lost yeah, that was Matthew weight. McConaughey. Yeah, but that was his, his Oscar, though. His Oscar was for the uh, transgender... Wasn't patient, it that movie, though? Uh, and, yes. Yeah, okay. Dallas, it was called... Uh, Chainsaw Massacre or something. Yeah. Dallas. Hmm? <laughs> no, yes, the Buyers Club. Damn. Buyers Club. How does right. that... That was not in my head all day long, and then... There it is. Um, so Jared Leto, and glad you raised it because you pick out some things that an actor does, and, and there's this because I've been in plays and musicals and whatnot, and you've got to think about the business. What a little bit of business they call it about a guy where you'll see uh, a character who's constantly playing with his his wedding ring, or you'll see another character, and we've mentioned this bit of business where. Brad Pitt in the Ocean movies is always eating. Not in the script and not central at all, but Brad Pitt thought, I'm going to bring a bit of business to this character. Interesting. And Jared Leto's bit of business here was his pot belly and his amazing... This is in Jared Leto's walk. Yeah, that walk was... But if you remember the winging arms in the fat belly that he walked, it was unique. And... It really helped create him as a, a, a particular type of character. Yes. He was unsavory, to say the least. Completely unlikable, to say the least. But that walk and that gut, I thought, were an interesting way to say... Because Jerry Leo's a very handsome man. Dude. Slender and some of the... I don't know if you've ever seen some of his fashion stuff. The way that he dresses when he goes to the Oscars and stuff like that. He is... He's a proper... He's quite the... Uh, what's the word? He's enjoying himself and his wealth and his... Hmm. He's a provocateur of, of fashion. And to see him at that pot belly with that that, that walk, that swinging, he was also uh, a bow legged, or not? Yeah. But what's pigeon toed is your toes are pointing in. What is it called when your toes are pointing out? Bow legged? I don't know. Sure. But it, it's wait a minute. You can't just agree with me. It either is or it isn't. How come you don't know this? I thought you had gotten. Edu- I thought you had gone to college and stuff. Pigeon toed. I don't been educated. A bow legged genu verum is a varus deformity marked by outward bowing at the knee, which means the lower leg is angled inward oh, in relation to the thigh's axis, giving the limb a real appearance of an Google, What is bow. the opposite of pigeon toad? Okay, let's see. Then there's knock knee, which is where your knees are too close together. Oh, Lord. Okay, that's a... Never mind. There are other knee problems that there are photos of that I don't want to look at. That you don't want to remember? So the... I had a little bit of a moment of I had forgotten who the third famous person was when I was watching the the movie and when Jared Leto's face appeared there's this effect that happens when watching Law and Order Law and Order this TV show that's been on forever and will be on forever because they just keep repeating it but almost every single famous celebrity actor that you know was one time on Law and Order it's just a rite of passage that you go through. There are these great websites that show super famous faces that we all know now when they were on Law and Order. And it, it very often used to happen when you're watching an episode of Law and Order. They go and interview the guy at the deli, and they go and interview the guy at the meat market, and they go and interview the, the guy that's selling paintings. And the guy that's selling paintings is an actor you've seen before. Therefore, he's the killer. That's like, yeah. it's just, It gives it all away because you have a sense of who the good actors are that can act as the, as the guilty party. Who, uh, is the third, who is the third Academy Award winner in Little Things? Jared Leto. Who is the first and second then? I know Denzel Washington. Who's the, he won for oh, the Oh, Rami Malek, of course. Yeah. Yes. But yeah. he appeared second in the movie. 
and then Jay yes. Leto was the third. And as soon as I saw him, I was like, okay, that's our suspect. because. And, and so there were some real weaknesses in the movie, I thought. But Go on. The plot. Huh? The idea that the Detective Ramick's character would end up losing it and killing the dude with the shovel was... Damn, I don't spoiler. know if there was enough... I don't know if there was enough building up of that. You would have thought, in hindsight, I would have thought in hindsight, there would have been a another couple of scenes to let you get the inside that this guy had a temper that was out of control sometimes. He certainly did a nice job making it clear that he was desperate. But I don't know that I don't know that just anybody's going to take a shovel and swing and hit somebody in the fucking head with it. Look, so I don't know that was I don't think that murder was his intention at that in that moment, but No, not at all. He hit the guy. And but the that whole scene was disturbing to me. Like, it looked like the Jared Leto character was, like, creeping up and was clearly within arm's reach of the detective's firearm and was just there, just taunting. And I thought he went to commit suicide. His, he was on a suicide mission going out there with a guy with a gun and making him believe that, that, that these guys were buried there and making him do all the work. That's the other thing, too, is what if you were Malik's character, would you really be the one to do all the digging? Or would you point the gun at the other guy and say, you dig or I'll kill you? And, and But you'd have to meet him. What is, and then exhaust himself. And I was getting worried about all the exhaustion, too, because I thought, look, you're getting super exhausted. At this point, this guy who is way less fit than, uh, you know, after you've dug 15 holes, he could probably knock you over and take your firearm or abandon yeah. you there or whatever. But, Did you think Leto's character was the killer? That's, the, that's another question. I don't. I don't, yeah, it's, no, I don't think so. I, I, I remember re- the scene in the jail. My favorite, my favorite scene was the interview scene where he was just yeah. enjoying the shit out of being like, oh, you mean and, to sign this, this little paper that, that my Miranda writes? This is so cool. Is this a thing I can keep? He was like, no, you got to turn it in. He was just having didn't a ball. Seem to me that, yeah, didn't seem to me that those pictures were anything he was familiar with. And... It was sort of a weird rollout of the description of what had happened to Denzel's character in the past, like why he had gone off the rails. Yeah, I don't know. I think it maybe could have been written in a more neat way. That's... Well, it had the star power and not the plot. As, as, true, was true. It, because of that, it wasn't a remarkable movie. It was just damn good. I, I thought yeah. it was quite good. But I'm not going to watch Denzel Washington and Jared Leto and Raymond in these movies and not enjoy it. For sure. I just want to see what they do as whatever Sam Rockwell is and et cetera. I enjoyed the uneasy banter between between Ravi Malik and Denzel. Of Yeah. And the whole final reveal. I don't know. It, it felt a little... Cheesy? Sh- cheesy uh, a little well tied up in a bow that didn't necessarily have to be where like it's totally unknown what really happened to that jogger girl yeah it's the red barret yeah the red barret and why did denzel washington live in such a downtrodden home and location why was he barely making it it's he had gone from he was the homicide chief and then he had his breakdown and then moved somewhere else to just be a deputy cop. Retirement. He was still a retirement cop. from 
Yeah, still, but I don't know. There were there were just some stretches in there. I didn't. I just couldn't picture that character living in that particular spot. But the inter- the introduction the with his wife was also yeah. yeah it was a mixed bag. And that he showed up unannounced, and she was on her way to work. And what did he expect? I don't know. But and that's all to say that the actors for me carried it. But I there wasn't any moment during the movie that I didn't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. It was like some movies where you say, "Oh shit, I wonder if I should change the channel. This isn't very good." That was good. That was good. Yeah, it's so not a uh, to... it's not a best picture movie, but no, not at all, not at all. So let's uh, let's segue. This is a, a total cinematic podcast here, apparently today. But how far did you get in the Mildred Pierce series? I thought I had I had been meaning to send that to you, and I thought I did, and I'm glad that I actually did. I just before we started recording, watched the penultimate fourth episode, four out of five. Oh, did you? You're only one ahead of me then, so and we can we can talk about it a bit. It's because I've seen three. Yes. It's pretty weird. I never know where things are going, and this latest episode is a total... Yeah, it's very different. So I had... When I was watching it, I immediately... Because so many of the faces are familiar, and so I was like looking up on IMDb, you know, who's in this. And the fact that Veda is played by... Rachel Evan Wood. Rachel Evan Wood. Eventually. I haven't exactly. seen that yet. Exactly. Like, I, I thought, this little girl looks like Rachel Evanwood, but but this was, was supposedly made in 2011. This couldn't have been her. No. But, so in episode four is when it's actually played by Rachel Evanwood. And it had five. To be, otherwise she wouldn't have got right. four and five, right? And the, I remember the, seeing that it was just for two episodes, and then I watched, like, the third one with the little girl that's, that this plays uh, Veda, and it was, uh, and I was like, wait a minute, but now it all clicked in when I actually saw Rachel Evanwood. I was like, oh, yeah, this is older Veda. So, well, know, give me your thoughts on the series. So, there's parts of the series that I loved for pretty kind of historical personal reasons, and that is that because I've worked in kitchens and restaurants for the earliest part of my life, I was struck by how incredibly realistic both restaurant setups were the tension the arguing the bickering the challenges of serving food you know so you say hold that whatever not that without whatever yes in the wrong door out the door and the chaos that ensues when you think you're ready and you're never ready and the whole thing about when the shit hits the fan the life of a restaurant over a 12-hour period is something i'm just very familiar with and when the shit hits the fan and the place is full it's going to be crazy for a while and everybody's going to work a long shift to get ready for the next day because you've got to be clean and ready to go. You don't save the dishes that are piled up. But not clearing the tables on time and all that stuff and the way that a restaurant woman, who was the woman who also was one of the stars of our uh, other series we watched, the, the not the, not the other, oh shit, the Stephen King adaptation. Yeah, the, the Outsider. The Outsider. She played the wife of the detective. Yeah, okay, yeah. So many people in this show are, are familiar to me. And the way that she put on her apron because she was sitting out there watching what was happening and she knew things were falling apart. She went in to help and she wasn't the only one. So I liked all that. And of course, the acting is pretty damn good, as you would think, given the star power. I had a couple issues with the plot. I'll talk about them in a minute. But anyway, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch the final two tonight and then go to the, the next one. I've got a recommendation for you for next week. I'll the the Veda character... I don't like her at all. She's, you know, well, and how could you be so common, mother? Like, fuck off. I'm your mother. This, a, is where, this is who we are. Just such a little bitch. The way that the mother hits her, and in the scene where she hits the mother back, that was a little bit of the plot thing where I thought, that's not, that doesn't work. This is a mother 
who slaps her kid a couple of times, puts her over her knee when she's 13, mm-hmm. and spanks her in a totally ridiculous way because it could have possibly. But but then when she gets slapped, she just goes into it. You would think that it would have turned a little bit more violent that <laughs> she would have hit her kid again. It just didn't quite work. But an interview with the director would indicate that the introduction of character Veda as a character, the way the first episode ended, with a head of the through the window screenshot of the back of her head, so only the viewer knew that she had heard everything there was to hear about her mother being a waitress. Huh. Nobody else knew that. That the director said that he wanted to end that episode with people saying, "Wait a minute, the daughter." has got a bigger, what kind of a role does she have in the future here? What, this was a little spooky, a spooky thing. Like, I don't know, there's the daughter listening. And I'm, I can see how that unfolded. Fascinating. I think Guy Pierce does a, does a great job. He plays He's a so great good. playboy and very authentic, I thought, believable. Much in this, I found myself really enjoying the cars, not only in this, but in the little things. The 1990 cars. Oh, like, yeah. I was like, yeah, that... And in this you, case, what, 1935, 1934? 1931, yeah. And here's a plot thing that, that you just jogged that I hadn't remembered, was it? Um, her car that she got from her husband, two things. One is that it, was, it looked like a brand new car. Yeah. That didn't make a lot of sense. And when he gave up the car, he didn't take anything out of the car. It was as if, unlike you and I, I don't know about you, I don't think you drive much, but my car's full of my shit. Mm-hmm. I would need three or four boxes to get the stuff out of my truck that just I, that is in my truck all the time. And then, not that a car is like that, but if my wife were to say, hey, I'm going to sell the car, I'd say, okay, I clean it out. I have four boxes full of stuff. He didn't take anything, not even nothing. He walked away without it. That, and I, Maybe they didn't carry that there, much shit. To me, but there would be, wouldn't there be something, a code or I don't know, but I don't know. It's just one of those things, right? That that's a little, that's a little sloppy. Not as yeah, realistic as it might. And later she says, well, "My car, it drives." Well, it's better than just a car that drives. It looks like a brand new car. You scored on that. Yeah. I was hungry throughout the movie. I wanted to eat their chicken really badly. It looked fabulous. That was the other thing about Give the restaurant stuff. The stuff that she was cooking in the opening, the pie, which of course she didn't know it was her when you start with. That's some real shit there. <laughs> and the way that they made their chicken, that's some real stuff. Very, very authentic. It was almost like. It was. It's more of a foodie movie, actually, than anything else. <laughs> there you go. But the idea that she had about serving just chicken and waffles and all the things that she said is certainly what I've learned in the restaurant business. It's exactly right. It was brilliant. And there was a moment when you didn't know if it would work or not. I said, oh, my God, is this going to take a twist now and this is going to be unsuccessful for her? It was really good screenplay uh, and that, that screenwriting in that particular part when the tension was mounting about... So far, I I finished every episode being like, "Whoa! I would not have predict I would not have predicted that." Yeah, it's but, it goes in different point. directions. But isn't, isn't that, that going to be the case more in a, a, a series that's only five? Yeah, as opposed to eight or ten sure. or twelve or like a billionaire or, or one of those. Yeah. That, as far as they're concerned, Succession there will be no end. Ray right. Donovan, eleven seasons, and when you have that kind of time, you don't. Sure. And her American accent is just freaking perfect, of course. But that's to be expected at this point. She's uh, pretty perfect. Melissa Leo is also, I just love her as an actress. I've never seen her in anything that isn't good. She is, it's another one that, that the acting is helping it get over some minor weaknesses, pretty uh, minor script weaknesses. Yes. And since I'm only three in out of five. Yeah, it's been, it's been very nice. And what a lovely conjoining of Mayor of Easttown with um, Kajillionaire. Evan Rachel Wood or Rachel Evan Wood or whatever. And and then also the rejoining of Guy Pierce. Exactly. That's in the right. It's nice. 
like when I was reading when I was reading reviews of Mayor of Easttown, they very often would refer back to this like they rekindled their on-screen romance from Mildred from Pierce. Mildred Pierce. Yeah. Yeah, which was she was quite young. How old? How many years? This was uh, ten years. I think it was two thousand eleven. I think. And of course, was one in, in a many where I've mentioned to you before. She's never been in a movie where she didn't take all of her clothes off. Not, not to disappoint. Three. Hold on. Mildred Pierce is a nineteen forty-five American film noir, starring Joan Crawford, Jack Carson, and Zachary Scott. This huh. is an existing movie that they have adapted. Did you? You didn't know that. Oh. I recommended this to a friend, and she said, "Oh, I've seen the original." And I was huh. like, what? Who is it, Joan Crawford? And, and who are the men? Jack Carson. They were seeing. Of who else? Who also was in A Star is Born, which was just remade. Cat in a Hot Tin. And Zachary Scott, who. I think I know these actors. Was one of American. Act, was an American actor most notable for his roles as villains and mystery men. He plays the good gigolo. It must be. Oh, yeah. yeah. This Guy Pierce isn't predict- particularly nasty. <laughs> So this was originally a novel from 1941. That's, so that's interesting. Huh. There you go. The so, ad- so our homework for next week will be to finish this out. Yep. And also you've got uh, Prometheus. Which and if you want to give Interstellar a go, I could talk about that. That's a big thing yeah, to write off. I'd have to, I'll have to see if I can find that. I okay. can find that. And so how is, how's your arm? Are you back to normal? I'm good. I've been working this week at my desk, which can be a standing desk now. And my, my wife is very pessimistic. She's, you're not going to, you're not going to stand, you're not going to stand on that desk. You're going to, you're going to be sitting all the damn time. But so far I've been for many hours of the day, I've been standing up and working and getting the shit done. And it's been pretty good when you, when you're standing at your desk and you put on some fun music, you can like dance at your desk too. It's like, it's getting up <laughs> yeah, and, uh, the work I do at my desk is not, it's not particularly joyful lately, but Hey, how's your new chair? For another episode. I like my new chair. Unlike any other chair that I could have bought, this one, when you want it to move backwards, the whole chair doesn't tilt, just the back does. So I can keep my feet square on the ground and my seat is not changing and my back moves without the seat moving. Mine does that too. And yours does that too? Yeah. I had to test. To so when you rock back, your knees don't go up in the air? No. If I really get into I, it, I, I could... I saw the picture of your chair. I thought it was pretty. Excellent. My chair was weak. My chair was like two hundred and seventy-five dollars. Yours must have been twice that. Mine was so. When I went to investigate the chairs, so I went. There's apparently just out of pure luck, about thirty minutes away from where I live. There's this company that manufactures desks and chairs for offices and shit. Like they manufacture them there. It's a local. Yeah. It's not imported from anywhere. And I went and I sat in all their chairs, and they had the one fifty models that were the cheapest. And then the 250 models that were in the middle, and then the 350 models. And the 350 models were so expensive because they had so many little ways that you could adjust them. And yeah. but that's great if you if you're going to share your chair with many people. If it's uh-huh. an open office and everyone comes in the morning and you everyone can choose where they want to sit and you all change you're changing chairs all the time, that's perfect. But what I found was that once you got past the shitty super basic models, the middle models 
I sat in a bunch of them, and one of them fit me better than any of the other super expensive chairs. And so I found the 250 chair to be... Uh, That's what I did, too. I, I was in the 150s, I sat in the 350s, and none of them were as good as the 279, yeah. as it turns out. And for 15 bucks, they put it together for me, which was like, yeah, you can do this for 15 bucks. I don't want, I don't want anything to do mechanical. I just want to sit in this chair. It's like the, the Goldilocks of office life. Right, right, right. It's, you're, Indeed. Man, it's so profound late at night. It just happens. Well, my friend, I'm, I'm moving toward my uh, dinner. I, I Once again, I had walleye, fresh caught, Lake Erie, sent you the pictures. Mm-hmm. And we had guests, a friend of mine from lives in France is here. Her mm-hmm. husband okay. travels to Geneva over the French border every day, 40 minutes, and drives to work. And met for the first time her darling little daughter. Mm-hmm. who's three years old. She's friends of my daughter's, and I love kids, and we hit it off. We just hit it off. Perfect. And French, perfect. And her mother speaks probably five languages. She grew up in Israel. I hate people like that. Um, she speaks Hebrew, and just uh, just, just astounding. They're a remarkable couple. But uh, I was saying that I hate polyglots, I not anti-Semitism. Polyglots, wow. Wow. She's a polyglot. Would you use me? A, sounds medical. Yeah. What's wrong? I've got, I had a glot, and then I got another one. Now I've got like polyglots all over. Yeah, you can go and tell. So that was fun. So we cooked walleye, and uh, the darling who mother said, I think she'll try it. She doesn't eat much fish. She had four pieces, you know, little pieces, but she had four, like, four, four pieces. And she looked at me, she said, this is just delicious. And I wow. said, would you like more? And she said, oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> European oh, right? God. So that was a fun afternoon, and they were out in the pool and playing around, and we got this little track plastic track we put together with a little wagon on the top of it so it goes down up and down and then goes on the pavement and she was afraid to do it and I taught her how to do it and within five tries she was carrying the little cart up herself and putting it on and jumping on and making <laughs> so herself go it was this great little growth moment for this three-year-old anytime I'm interacting with kids I'm just so grounded I'm not in my head you know, it's what's happening you got no choice you got to pay attention no kids are present in a way that it forces you to be yeah. centered you can't be worried about yeah. your taxes you have to just be worried about what color flower that is over there. My, my granddaughter was doing some chalk on the pavement and decided that she wanted to chalk herself different colors. And so that got to be a funny thing. And it's just lovely to have an after. I took the afternoon off. I'm working what I want kind of thing lately. So it's been kind of fun. So uh, next week, bro. I'll see you if you'll see me. I'll see you in the funnies. Do your fucking homework next time. Good God. Hey, watch two fucking movies. Good fucking Christ. All right, that's it for episode number 118. You can find the show notes at happyhour.fm slash 118. We can find links to the miniseries that we talked about and the movies. And there's little YouTube clips that I shared with Dennis. And you can help support the show at patreon.com slash happy hour. We would love for some help. And we'll see you next week.